This is the Christian Home and Family Podcast, episode number 56. And today I'll be talking with my wife and my older daughter about how you can teach your children to pray for their spouse. Here's a little bit of what you're going to hear. We might, as a Christian person, think um, if we're going to be making a decision um, for a career move or um, to buy a house or to buy a car, we would think to pray about it. This is a much more important decision, and it affects our life. It affects the children we would be having, um, just generations. And So take it seriously and be a good steward and seek the Lord to guide you in how you should pray for your future spouse. Hi, welcome to the Christian Home and Family Podcast with Carrie Green. He's my dad. The Christian Home and Family Podcast brings you biblical teaching, encouragement, Q&A, interviews, biblical conversations, and much, much more, all focused on helping you make Christ the center of your home so that you can build a legacy of faith in your family for generations to come. You can find out more about the ministry of Christian Home and Family at www.christianhomeandfamily.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Christian Home and Family Podcast, 56 episodes strong as of this episode. God has been so gracious and so good to enable me to put out episodes consistently for your edification and enjoyment. If you have any ideas or topic suggestions, anything like that, you can reach me, Carrie Green, at christianhomeandfamily.com slash contact. There's one other thing you can do to help us get out the word about the contact about the Christian Home and Family Podcast. Boy, I can't even talk today. You can go to christianhomeandfamily.com slash iTunes and leave a rating and a review, and that will enable us to rank higher in iTunes search rankings so more people can find us. One last thing, you can go to the website, any webpage on the website at christianhomeandfamily.com and use the social sharing buttons on the left-hand side. There's Facebook, Twitter, all kinds of options there and share the Christian Home and Family Ministry with those who are in your circles. That will help us tremendously. Well, in today's podcast, I'm very excited to bring to you my wife and my oldest daughter, Melinda, as we're going to talk about a practice that my wife began when she was a young girl and carried on into our family of creating a list of standards for your spouse that you begin praying about and using as as a way to consider who your spouse might be. And it it may sound a little disconnected right now. That's because I'm not the one to explain it. They are. So here we go, talking about how you can build a list of standards and begin praying for your spouse on the Christian Home and Family Podcast. Okay, well, today I am talking with two of my most favorite people in the world uh, about the subject of praying for your spouse before you even meet them. And I'm talking with my wife, Mindy, and my daughter, Melinda. Uh, You each want to say hello? Hello. Hey. At the time of this recording, Mel is almost 20 and uh, has been practicing what we're talking about today for quite a, quite some time, but I want to get into it by asking Mindy, who really is the source of this practice in our family, 
how how you came about having the idea of praying for your spouse. How old were you? When did this take place? And how did, how did you get the idea? Well, the Lord gave me the idea when I was around 14 years old, just to start making a list of standards for my husband that I could pray through, like a prayer list. And so, of course, at that age, I was very excited to try to dream up who my husband was going to be. Okay, let me interrupt you there for a minute. Standards for your husband. Explain that to me. What I want in my in my husband, anywhere from physical to spiritual to personality. Okay, so you made up these standards for how you were going to pray for your husband. Um, why, why did you want to do that? Well, because I was excited to get married. I was excited to find my husband and I wanted him to be just the right guy for me. I wanted him to be what God wanted for me. Okay. So give me some examples of the kind of standards that you had on your list. First one was I wanted him to be a Christian. I wanted him to be someone I was attracted to, a leader type, someone who loved the Bible. Um, I did have some silly standards on there that I'm glad aren't true now. Like I wanted him him to be good in all sports, which that would have not been practical for our life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So those were 14 year old type standards, things that you realized after a while weren't really that necessary. Right. Yes. Okay. Any others you can remember? Things about how he treated people, cared for the children, how he would lead in the home spiritually. Okay. And did you come up with all of these on your own or did you have help from somewhere? I think as time went on, when I would see my dad, how he would be, or I would see other fathers, other husbands, or something I would read or something I'd hear in a sermon, it would just make me think, oh, I want that for my my husband. And so I just add it to the list. Okay. And how did you go about determining which of them were non-negotiables and which were things that you could let go of if need be? I kind of just prayed through everything and the, the Lord led me as to what was more important as the years went on and as I grew in the Lord. For example, me wanting to be attracted to him when I was in college. There was a guy I wasn't attracted to that I struggled with being open to dating because he was a godly man. And so I was willing to let let the Lord show me if he was the one because I didn't want to put physical attraction above marrying the right guy. So when you prayed through this list, did you also use it kind of as a a barometer or a a criteria by which you you judged the guys that you met? Yes. And I think it also... It helped me to actually be drawn to guys or not, because I had that in my mind. I probably prayed through that standards list every other day, at least, from age 14. Being married was the desire God had laid on my heart, and so I was eager and excited. Um, So I always had those standards in the forefront of my mind. So now you're a mom of five, and uh, in your mid-40s, what wisdom do you see in this practice that God gave you as a 14-year-old? I think it's I think it's it was a wise thing that God led me to do because I was looking ahead to the future and I was partnering with God to to be praying for the husband that he had for me. And so as he was laying those desires on my heart, I would I would be writing down those standards and so I'd be praying through them. And so it was really the Lord leading me to who I was going to marry. 
And so that was in the front of my mind. And so I think it was a huge protection so that I wouldn't fall for someone who wouldn't be what God wanted me to marry. Okay. And how did you go about communicating this to your kids? And this is where we're going to get to Mel, who is our oldest daughter. How, how did you go about describing this and communicating it to your kids? I think we just, I just introduced the idea to them when the girls started getting, well, actually our sons too, when they started getting close to their teen years and we would tell them how from age 14, I was praying for my husband and praying for their dad. And we just, we just encouraged them to make out their own standards list so that they could start praying for their husband because their husband could very well be, if God has it in his plan for them to marry, he, he's alive right now. So they should be praying for him, for his protection, for his growth or her growth. So we just started talking about how it was for me. Okay. And Melinda, as you took on this practice for yourself, how, how did it first come across to you? What were your thoughts about it? I was excited about it, I guess. Mom made it sound exciting and fun. I felt bad because at first I wasn't very diligent with praying, like, because mom would say, I prayed every day, and I was like, whoa, you know. But I realized as I started doing it more, even if it wasn't every day, I liked that I could just, anytime thinking about getting married or the future who is going to marry, I could pray for my husband and ask God to protect him right now and grow him in his love or whatever at the moment. And one of the things that I like that God has shown me is that as God teaches me something in my life, he puts it on my heart to pray for that same thing for my husband. And I think that's one of the biggest ways I've done that through the years, how I've prayed for him is in that way. So. Okay, and as you've practiced this, what are some of the things uh, you've learned about the process of praying for your spouse? And what are this, or maybe another way to ask it is, what are some of the things that you think you've benefited from in doing this? Well, I think that, like Mom was saying, it's helped me to see and to th- even think critically about what people are like and things I see in them, and if I would want to marry this guy or not. It's made me think that way which might sound extreme. You meet a guy you might like and immediately you're thinking, would I want to marry him? But I don't think that's too extreme because I think I need to be mindful of that always so that if he's not what I want or what God wants, I can be on my guard against it. And like mom said, I wouldn't just fall head over heels and then realize he's not a good guy. I think that's probably the most thing that has that I can see that's benefited me. Okay, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, you mentioned, you know, falling head over heels. What what role do you think standards like this or a prayer list like this plays in helping you guard your emotions and helping you guard your heart against getting too involved with somebody who perhaps isn't the right person? For me, it's paired with not letting my emotions control me. No matter how much I feel that I like a guy, when I see things in him that aren't good or when other people point them out to me or whatever, and I see they don't match the standards, or there's areas on my list that I would really have him grow in if I were to marry him, it helps me put a check on my emotions and just say, yeah, you really like him, but these aren't good, and I'm not able to freely let my heart like him, so to speak. I'm not able to freely like him 100% with all that I am and therefore fall in love with him because I have these red flags saying, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And that has helped me 
guard my heart and never give my heart fully to someone while I was just looking at them to see if I thought they were a possibility, I guess we could say. Okay. And have you run into any struggles or hard things that this practice has has brought to light? Like what? I mean, (laughs) I don't know. That's kind of broad. Well, I I guess what we were just talking about with the emotional stuff is part of the difficulty is is you, you have a real struggle then. You're not free to just dive into any relationship and be all butterflies and and rainbows about it you you have you've you're disciplining yourself so what sort of what sort of difficulty does that present when a possible fellow is on the horizon and you're having to struggle to to make those evaluations well like you said i think for me one of the biggest struggles is just the fact that i can't be free and dive in and be butterflies and rainbows cuz I find myself holding back and there are times I think that I have been in danger of holding back too much just because it's safer. But I think that trusting in the Lord and asking him to never let me go farther than he would want me to with my emotions has helped and he's helped me not to not to hold back too much but also to always enable me to guard my heart enough to where when I'm looking back now with no guy in my life and no guy on the horizon, I can look back at all the guys I've ever liked and not feel any regrets that I gave part of myself away that I want back. And although it was very hard, there are so many times I wish I could just express my feelings and be in love and like this person like you're supposed to do, it seems. I'm so glad I didn't because I would have given them that part of my heart that I couldn't have back. Okay, I asked your mother earlier what... Uh, what value do you see in this? Um, I mean, pretend you were talking to uh, parents who are thinking about this for their children or a teenage girl who's in her early teens and hasn't even thought of this idea. What would you encourage them with? I would say that this is not only just an important thing or a good thing, I would say it's very, very crucial to being active and I think being a good steward of just what God has given us. And for me, it's being responsible in the search for my husband and not just letting anything come that comes and, oh, God will guide me when the time comes. You know, I think it's actively obeying him and guarding my heart and in being wise about people. And especially with marriage being the most important decision and with everybody getting divorced all over the place. And if, you know, I don't want that, it's up to me to make sure with God's by God's grace that I don't marry the wrong person that will not be humble, will not love me, will make life horrible, will want to get a divorce years down the road or whatever. It's not just something I can hope for the best. It's my part that I can take in this to where when I do get married, I can be confident that divorce won't come because God has helped us find the right people and he's helped us be so to speak vigilant in looking for each other and we trust him and we know that he's led us to each other and you know that's his plan and it's not just a guessing game okay that's good and i i'd like to add a great encouragement that i would share with uh, parents or young girls and guys is that uh, i like what melinda said about being a good steward you're headed in that direction um most likely you will be married and so it wouldn't be wise to float into that and just one day, oh, I think I like this person. I think I want to get married. But to take it seriously that 
God wants us to ask him for things. God wants us to tell him of our desires and our needs, and he wants us to trust him to be faithful. And I'd say that my experience is a testimony of God's faithfulness. Because at age 14, I had a lot of immature standards on the list, but by the time we got married at age 21, my heart had grown and matured and and what God had for me to marry in you as my husband I was there and ready and so I was I was being molded by his spirit as I was in a prayerful mo- mode praying for my husband through all those years seeking him you know what do you want my husband to be like show me so I can pray for that and so I look back and he blew me away with his faithfulness you have surpassed all the standards. And I don't care that you don't like every sport. (laughs) I'm glad you don't. But so it's a blessing. And I look back and wow, God was faithful. He led me to pray for you. And he gave me more than what I even asked for. Well, you're very sweet to say all those things. And I've heard it before, obviously, but (laughs) because it's true. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Melinda, let me ask you one final thing. I already asked your mom about this, but I know for some people, this may sound like a pretty stringent thing. I mean, you've got this standard, you're evaluating everybody by these, this list, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you go about um, knowing what's a non-negotiable and what is flexible? I think just as time goes along, and like before I lost all the actual written standards list I had, I would look back sometimes and see stuff and laugh and shake my head, obviously, because either it's not important anymore because it was a silly standard or... It's like, that'd be nice, but I see now that is not crucial to a godly man, you know. But more it's the standards I see in the Bible of what a godly person is like, what Christ was like, what the qualifications for elders and deacons are are like in the scripture. And as I go through life, as I see things in you and my brothers and other men I know, and as I hear you know, because mom and I talk about these kind of things all the time. As I hear her wisdom, there are certain things I realize now that's a preference and that's something it would be great if my husband could grow in through the years. But if he wasn't 100% like that when I met him, that's fine. But there are other things like humility and, you know, having a sacrificial heart and stuff like that, being willing to give it all up for me and his family like Christ did for the church, those kinds of things are the core of what a godly husband is. I can't give those away or I won't be marrying a godly husband. And so it's kind of just the Lord's helped me discern the difference between those things as, as experiences come, you know? Yeah. So it sounds to me like you start with a biblical foundation. You find qualities, characteristics that are encouraged in the scripture that, that you see as, as vitally important for the role of a husband. And then from there, as your wisdom grows or as your maturity grows, the wisdom of your standards grows with it. You're able to evaluate it and, and those sorts of things. And you're nodding your head. So I guess I hit that. <laughs> yeah. I hit that one. Okay. Is there is there any final things that either of you would like to say to those who are listening, either to encourage them along this line or uh, to warn them about what could happen if they don't uh, make themselves responsible in this way to, to be thoughtful about these things? Well, I would say for any young man or woman um, who is looking towards marriage to take this seriously. We might, as a Christian person, think um, 
if we're going to be making a decision um, for a career move or um, to buy a house or to buy a car, we would think to pray about it. And um, this is a much more important decision, and it affects our life. It affects the children we would be having, um, just generations. And so take it seriously and be a good steward and seek the Lord to guide you in how you should pray for your future spouse. And it's a blessing to imagine your future spouse out there um, with the Lord's hand on him or her. And so you can be praying for them day to day and, and, and just asking the Lord, guide me in how to pray. It's a, so it's an important thing. Take it seriously. And by the time when you meet them, you can feel like you almost know them because you've been praying for them all these years. Well, I appreciate that. And it reminds me of, I guess what I would say is another suggestion I would make to anyone who's wanting to develop a prayer list like this. And that is to take on a practice that George Mueller, the pastor from Bristol, England, back in the day um, did. He's well known for his faith and for his prayer life. And he said when he began praying, the first job he had was to empty himself of his own desires so that God could fill him with his desires. And that, I can't think of a better place to start with a list like this, is, is seeking God's desire first. And then maybe some of those silly things might not even make the list in the first place. You may be able to, to start out on a better footing and, and have, have the things God wants for your spouse on your list to begin with. And we can be assured from 1 John chapter 5 that if we pray for those things according to God's will, He hears any answers. And that's a very encouraging thought. Well, thank you both for taking the time to chat with me. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Christian Home and Family Podcast. If you have any comments about this episode, you can make those at christianhomeandfamily.com slash 56. You can also leave suggestions for topics for future episodes of the podcast right there. Well, my name's Kerry Green, and I've been your host on this episode. And my prayer for you is that Christ will evermore be the center of your home. God bless you. today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.